Welcome to Let's Talk About Shreks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack Dorino takes a mind walk with Nebula for Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 18. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. You could say something. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't want everybody to think I really followed through with my plan of just talking the episode through myself. <laughs> I, li- I did like the idea. I mean, nobody called me. Yeah, <laughs> I thought about it, but the idea was going to be here. So, my name is Jack Dorino. And I am Isaac from Unplanned Trek. Welcome, Isaac, to Let's Talk About Treks. Excellent. And I'm happy to be called L at any time during the episode, if that helps as well. Last episode, we were talking about how we needed to convince you to have uh, some sort of Star Trek beverage uh, related name. I did hear that. Um, Romulan Dale was suggested. <laughs> I'd um, actually been um, workshopping um, Ned Eula, as in where the coffee is trapped. Mm, that's very clever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, how do you spell Eula? Just U L A? You might be the middle name. <laughs> well, there's some sort of hyphen action or something. I don't know. Can make it, or maybe, maybe like the Vulcans do, put it a, an apostrophe in the name. Mm, this is brilliant. Yeah. All right, Ned. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us for this episode because, uh, as you know, Earl had to take a, uh, a side mission. So we gave him the Delta Flyer and he went to a place that doesn't exist, apparently, in Enterprise era. Section 31 kind of stuff. I think maybe he's trying to prevent the Zendi attack right now. He's a good man. He's given his best shot. So for this episode, we are we have fallen on what I'm calling the penultimate episode of the season because the final two episodes are called Supernova Part One and Part Two. So I think that this is basically the mm. second to last story of the ep- of the season. Right. Mindwalk is episode 18 of season one of Star Trek Prodigy, and uh, it's the 871st episode of all of Star Trek. I'm really glad that somebody has finally brought us back to like somewhere near the normal length of episodes per season. Exactly. We're near that magical 20 mark. 20 to 26 was what we kind of had in the 90s, early 2000s, right? It was. And I don't begrudge them the season where they left off the four episodes because they we, we didn't need four more Pulaski episodes anyway. <laughs> Hello, Andrew, if you're listening. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew. <laughs> this episode of Star Trek Prodigy was written by Julie Benson and Shauna Benson. You know, I noticed that they always have their names like that. They never say, like, Julia and Shauna Benson. I wonder if they're two different Bensons. It's possible, isn't it? Like, I was thinking today, like, you, you, we just mentioned Pulaski. We've got two Catherines, you know, Janeway and Pulaski were our famous ones. Surely we can have two Bensons in the real world too. I thought maybe that I had misread one and it was Henson and Benson. That would have been cute, but... Oh, that's the cigarette company, right? <laughs> Benson and Hedges or something? <laughs> Benson and Hedges it is, yeah. Do they, do they sponsor the show or can we not have cigarette sponsorship? I don't think we're doing cigarette sponsorships <laughs> with this particular show. Okay. That's for uh, Picard where they actually do the smoking. True. This episode heralds the return of one of our favorite directors throughout the season and most common directors throughout the season, which is Sung Shin. The story Mindwalk takes place in the year 2384. I have a question for you, Ned. Yeah, sure. So Earl has reported seeing 
you know how like at the beginning of Strange New Worlds you have like the ship fly around, ba -ba 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 -ba, like and it flies around the little delta and it comes towards it and then the episode starts? Yeah. Have you seen one for Prodigy? The way it starts off with for me is just CBS Studios. Me too. So Earl has reported several times, well actually every episode this season, seeing a fly around like Strange New Worlds had, he sees it at the beginning of Prodigy. He sent me a video actually on Facebook of this and I saw the first two seconds of it and I saw that it was the protostar and I turned it off and I didn't watch it. Wow. Because I was offended that they're not showing me this. So I actually haven't seen the whole thing even though I have a video of it. I'm just like, why are they showing me this? Like, I'm, you don't want to show it to me? I don't want to see it. Look, my, my glass half full. Um, how long is the video that, that Elle sent you? I, I don't know. Let's say it's five to ten seconds, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be longer than that. Yeah. So Elle probably watches each episode, you know, five, eight times, something like that. He's probably spent an extra, you know, four or five minutes doing this season of Prodigy than you have. You know, you're... <laughs> that's that would be alarming. <laughs> I think that means that I have to watch every episode two additional times <laughs> to keep up with it. <laughs> yeah, I watched it four times today. Well, that's a good day. This is a great episode. I think it's a great episode too. Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and start our walk through the episode? Excellent. The teaser opens up with the Dauntless Protostar confrontation. And I'm like, okay, thank you, Holloway, for that <laughs> wonderful scene setting. You're doing a great job. A good reminding. Yeah. Um, and it immediately deactivates herself. Yeah, bye-bye, Holloway. But, like, here's the thing. Where where did she go? And why didn't anyone try to bring her back? Like, we've just, we, we're accepting it, that, that she wants to leave the room. Isn't she supposed to be there to be a helper? She's clippy. <laughs> We see her later, and the first place we see her is where? Is it back on the bridge? No, she's hanging out with the living construct. Oh, yeah, she is, isn't she? So, like, has she been down there the whole time? Yeah. What is she doing down there by herself? I guess the living construct could activate her and place her wherever they like. I think they were having, like, a board queen data scene down there. The living construct. Oh, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> With the Dauntless hailing, you know, Dow's like, we can't, we can't let them take this ship. But I'm, you kind of do want them to take the ship, don't you? I kind of took it to mean kind of like a thing you would say before you'd hit the self-destruct button. You know, like, we can't oh. let them, we can't let them have the ship because then they'll be infected with, with it as well. I wish I had taken it that way because that, that would have intensified in the moment. I wish I was smart enough to have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> It's in, like, again, I don't mean to jump around, but it's interesting later when Dow as Janeway, real Janeway, um, at the Admiral is on the Dauntless and they communicate to each other. Like, yeah. that goes against what's happening in this bit because we've been told all along, don't use communicators, don't, don't talk, don't interact with other ships. But as Admiral Janeway, the crew do talk to each other. Huh. I will have to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry. That's my only note, and I'm out. <laughs> Have a good Noom. episode. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Looms somehow has the the time to just like look out the window. I'm wondering, like, where is he? Are there windows in Sick Bay? Is it the same dude that was all along on the out outer space station that blew up? No, 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 not no, 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 not the, that was a he was a denobulant. He was like a really short denobulant. This was oh, the right. the doctor that shaded uh, Jenkin Pog when we were on the ice world. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I, I, I don't know. I'm getting my people that are shading other people's just blurring yeah. into one. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's almost as if by the end of like this season, you're going to have the entire cast blended into one. 
because they all kind of like throw it around. They do a bit, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So this exterior scene has like the protostar coming towards you and the Dauntless in sort of the background heading away. And I keep looking at the back of the Dauntless and I'm like, does the protostar fit in there or something? Like, yeah, is I feel like there's some sort of like the protostar connects to another ship or something in some way. Like the more I look at the ship through this episode, the more, you know, because they show us a couple side views throughout this episode. Mm. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that. I mean, I'm convinced that the profile of the protostar is the same as the profile of the bottommost section of a Prometheus-class vessel. Right. You know, it's it's like the Enterprise D, isn't it? You know, you, we can source or separate. We just don't do it very often for budgetary yeah. reasons. <laughs> yeah. But this would be a great place to do, like, a multi-vector ship. You, no yeah, problems and, with and, Well, I guess any show now, really. With animation, of course, it's easy to do. But, the, yeah. but it's not necessarily just these two that could fit together too. You could have like some sort of ultra Voltron ship that has more than two pieces that would stick together. Yeah, you got to connect uh, Control's ship from Discovery oh. with Book's ship from Discovery. Right. And then you stick the Protostar on there and then together you put a Prometheus-class ship and then a Galaxy-class ship, just the engineering section. And you have like a Megazord. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the size of Galactus. I think this is a job for Prime Lorca, who we've never met yet. I did always wonder where Prime Lorca was. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him. I've got a feeling that Jason Isaacs doesn't want to come back. A lot of his motivations didn't make a lot of sense to me toward the end. Like, he could have gone, like, a much better way and, like, like he just suddenly came back and, like, tried to take over from... Anyway, what show are we discussing today? <laughs> Star Trek Discovery Season 1. Apparently. That's, that's what we're on about. I think it's really helpful that Noom is able to let Tysus know that Janeway isn't answering after J after Tysus like taps his comm badge and calls for Janeway. It's very perceptive of him. He's like a detective. Is he telling characters or is he just telling us as the audience what's going on? But do you think he actually did to say it? I think he's just being cantankerous. Hmm. Like I'm really starting to get into the depth that they're showing us of the teller. Like I'm starting to really like get a sense of what the tellerites are and how they are because I've had like a skeleton of an understanding, but they're sort of fleshing it out the more I see it. Yeah, I think we've seen it more here than we have in other series. You know, like it's they're not the Vulcans, they're not the Klingons that we see each week. You know, clearly they're very yeah. different. I would like to see. I think I'd like to see a live action version of one now. Yeah, because they're yeah. they're they're very interesting. Um, I want to. I do want to see what happens when you know we see one on we have one on screen so much that we get to the ends of arguments <laughs> right yeah exactly that'd be fit yeah get to actually have a whole act of arguing in order to achieve things as a society you would think that eventually you'd have to agree on things and i would like to see how that agreement happens and i would like to see the star trek version of them still arguing but being in agreement i don't think that they would have allowed the um, treaty that means that we're not allowed to have cloaking technology. Tellerite wouldn't stand for that. They weren't at the negotiating table with the vault with the Romulans at that time. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like in some way, they have to have agreed to. They've agreed to be in the Federation, so they've agreed to mm. abide by the decisions that are made by the whole. Mm. Right. So that doesn't even imply agreement. It signifies agreement. The fact that they're a part of an of a larger organization signifies that they've agreed on something i guess if they've made that concession to to abide by the the overall rule what were they given for that 
Well, so what I wonder is, okay, so the argument would continue, and and then they're offered something, and then they're like, well, fine, but this isn't good enough anyway, and they storm away, so it, the argument's over. Is that how that? Right, <laughs> maybe. That, and the rest of the federation have gone. Well, that will do. They're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Carry> in. <laughs> well, that works. <laughs> The whole Tellerite aesthetic is is really it is becoming really intriguing to me now. Yeah, that's your next Halloween sorted. Tysus is wondering where is she, but they should be able to find her by her combat, which is still on her. Right. Yeah. At this stage, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny because again, jumping around uh, later in the episode, they beam her back to the bridge without her combat on. Yeah, they do. So yeah, uh, yeah there's interesting things happening here i i'm sure there's an explanation maybe <laughs> the solemn three sticking janeway in a closet just had me thinking about putting baby in a corner all oh, right i was trying to work out why they were stowing her they haven't mutinied yet they've yeah once they're once they start looking for her <laughs> i think the closets <laughs> will be the first thing they say yeah true yeah that's right you could just put her in a room like she doesn't have to be in a closet right i guess a mutiny hasn't happened until you find her and you realize why she's missing until then everything's normal I'm, yeah. i guess i'm going from the mutineer perspective here they're not they're not trying to take over or anything they're actually trying to just blend in at the moment why did they put her in a closet? <laughs> now I'm stuck on that. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's the only thing they've done. When they're interacting with the rest of the crew, they're falling in line and behaving like they should. Well, I guess it's okay that they put her in a closet. Then. Yeah, that's right. But no one knows they've put her in the closet. Like it's what? it's not it's not a bad thing until someone decides that it is. It... <laughs> I would posit that it wasn't as bad of a thing if they had just left her in a room and they like exponentially made it worse by putting her in a closet instead of just like, like on a bed in a room like why why did she need to be uncomfortable and on the floor in a little space do you reckon they should have put a little trundle bed there <laughs> they should have, i mean you know they just could have put her in a regular bed yeah i like, guess so <laughs> like why why were you trying to hide her because yeah well that, that, that's the implication isn't it they could have hit her on the holiday yeah, they could have put her. They could have put her on Riser. They could have put her holiday. in, could have in stasis in sick bay. They could have put her in the brig. They could have put her in the transport buffer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they could have reunited her with two picks. Uh, they could have. They should have. <laughs> they should have joined her. Oh, they did kind of. Wait, oh, it would have been interesting had they done this episode where like their brains merged. Mmm. Oh yeah. Oh, I would like to know what she would have done in that situation. Would she have been like, well, no, she would have been a different person. But would have she understood? Would have she had empathy, or would have she been? Caught? And then she would have been like, oh no, this is my payback for. <laughs> yeah, for that's right. <laughs> I've been wearing this for so long. <laughs> the guilt. <laughs> uh, I did have here try to get two Vicks in the show somehow. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, believe you me, that won't be the first time. No spoilers. That's the first time. I do have a list of things I'm trying to get into this week. We've got Pulaski out and we've got two weeks out. All right, great, great. I, I assume that Sarek needs to come up at some point. Yeah, I'm so not really sure how. Three on my list. <laughs> I just assumed he's the Diviner's dad. Do you think the Vulcan on the Dauntless might be a son of Sarek? I think everyone on the television <laughs> is a son of Zarek. 
That might be true. The most nervous Amanda ever gets is Sarah coming into the room and going, Amanda, can we have a quick chat? (laughs) 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 She's like, this again. Who this time? It was that bitch Perrin, wasn't it? Yeah, and? (laughs) Brings out a list. (laughs) His list's longer than Santa's list. Far longer. And he checks it twice, too. Yeah, he may check it several times. (laughs) I reckon. <laughs> when Vindaloo, what's her name? Indicator. Vindaloo? That's a spicy curry, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's a person who came back from the future, I think. Asensia. And she's the one that's um, changing appearance depending on who she's with. Yes, that one. I've noticed that yeah. their hair appendages are tied back. You know what? I'm going to have to Google what a hair appendage is. What are those? Those are, like, what, is, what does Saru have? Ganglion? So, like, their head ganglia, the ones that come out of the back of their head. Yeah, yeah. That look sort of like hair. Like, they're tied back. Gwen has hers tied back, and Diviner has his tied back in, like, a one single. And I'm wondering, are they, like, Medusa-like? I actually thought it was hair. I didn't actually look at it that much to... <laughs> Hair, oh. hair doesn't grab my attention, but if it's a ganglia, we know someone else that's linked with 23 other species that's got a ganglia coming out the back of his head too. Yeah, yeah Maybe that's, that's one of the species that, he, that Dow's been um, blended with. And, and you know what I think Dow is an acronym for, right? Dramatically altered life form. That's right. That's what I'm sure his name means. I just haven't worked out the last letters. No, I haven't. But but that, that's more to do with I don't know how to spell his last name. It's like Nedula. It's hard. It's R apostrophe E L. Rel. Well, that sounds kind of like Lurel. Maybe he's a time crystal protecting um, twenty three species conglomerate. He's a time crystal plus a living construct plus all that DNA. And Chakotay's son. Yes, all that. Yeah, or clone? Are we going clone? So the Organi... Well, hold on. I'm going to jump forward again. It's me pushing you forward, though, right? (laughs) Vindaloo's like, we should... uh, Oh, no. Yeah, what's her name? Indicator. The Indicator. Vindicator asks Dreadnought to erase all the data of the event, which to me says that Dreadnought is able to connect to the computer and make changes, which begs the question, why didn't they put the living construct in a Dreadnought? I also wondered what the event is. I think we're assuming this is them taking Janeway, but it could yeah. be anything. I think that it's probably the whole Janeway thing. Yeah. Yeah, because everything's everything's recorded on a starship, I would assume. I mean, it's not, according to yeah, what yeah. I know, but maybe nowadays it is. But, you know, back, back in the, the 2360s, <laughs> we apparently yeah. didn't record everything. And if they did, can you imagine the recordings from The Naked Now? Oh, that's a deep cut. Well done. The, the reason I'm asking, though, kidnapping a admiral and putting her in a cupboard, that's that's bad, right? Yeah, people get found frozen in cupboards. But it's not necessarily the event. Like, the Super Bowl, that's an event. You said last week that America might be one of the only countries that have football not being soccer. I did say that. We've got a football here in Australia. You need to look up Australian Football League. You'll be blown out of your mind. Is it very similar to American football? No, we don't throw it. Is it soccer? Is it soccerish? No, no, no. It's nowhere near. It's nowhere near anything you've seen, and it's the biggest sport here by a mile. Do you use telekinetics? Yes. <laughs> okay. <That's, laughs> I knew you guys could do some stuff. The culmination of Australian rules football, which I knew I could get into, this, is a grand final. That is an event. But hiding an admiral in your cupboard. 
I mean, yeah. that's not no man. It's true. just it's yeah. just a decision. It's a decision. Yeah, I hide all evidence of the decision. Of the poor decision that we made. Yeah, and that's what LeBron James did, didn't he, when he joined Miami? Oh. <laughs> There's that rim shot. I didn't I didn't have LeBron James on my list, but he listens to this podcast, right? He does. He does. He tweeted to me and told me that he listens to this podcast and he loves it very much and he still didn't put a rating or review on iTunes <laughs> just like everyone else in the world. I did have something about Twitter that I wanted to mention while we've got a, a quick what? diversion, if you don't mind. Oh, did we divert? Yeah, we, well, we, we are now. Here I had a, a tweet tweet liked by um, Terry Metalis this week. Had you? Yeah, it was the one where I've suggested that instead of saying Merry Christmas, we should be referring to Picard Season 3 as well and saying, you know, have a happy Picard Season 3 or what are you doing for Picard Season 3 this year? I agree. And yeah, I noticed he gave it a like and I'm like, hey, I'll take that as a win. That would be an event. Yeah, that's right. Not not hiding an admiral. We both hit admirals before we hit record today. Mine was um, Jellico. Mine's still here in the closet with me. <laughs> Where have you got I can't tell you that. Oh, is it one of the ones that have the those bugs in them that that took over Commander Remick? It's uh, it's not. Clancy said, "Don't tell." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, Clancy. <laughs> she says hello. <laughs> the sheer hubris. I edited that. I oh, know it's a kids show. <laughs> Did Leland have the same button? in Discovery when he was pretending to be a trill that Asensia has on the back of her neck, the little tappy change me into a different person button. I don't think it was a tap kind of thing. I think he could just do it. Like, even less dramatic than Q with his fingers. I think he could just change. I would I would snap my fingers anyway. If I could just do it, oh, I, yeah. would just, I would just snap my fingers. Just... Yeah, but you got to add a little bit of a flair, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> It's like a wrestler coming on without entrance music. It just doesn't happen. It does not. I might like jump up and be like, ta da! <laughs> that would be a really easy TikTok video to make. I think I'd just wink, but I'm I'm a bit more conservative in my um, mannerisms. This is fair. When the when the prodigy hightails it out of there, I'm taken all the way back to the pre O'Connor chase. Right. It was sort of like a let's shoehorn in Billy Campbell pair of episodes and they did that in discovery too right like he was this wasn't his only um recent foray into new trek who billy campbell yeah i, I kind of came in an episode he was a dj at the end of an episode where there was a meeting of all captains on like a star base or something uh-huh. and the cerritos goes there and our captain's not allowed in but meanwhile mariner and oh yes i do yeah, yeah yeah i think i kind of was the dj there and they ended up beaming someone really annoying. Maybe the Dupla, um into there, um, I think yes, it was. Yes, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, but he, he had a very small role in, in, in Discovery too. That is super interesting. Yeah, so he was just like, he had the time. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, you better come hit while the hitting's hot. <laughs> and, he, and he's probably like, yeah, I'd love to reprise the character I played in 1991 or actually probably before that. It's season two, isn't it? Because it's a Pulaski episode. I wonder if David Mack was also a consultant for Lower Decks, because I do believe that that's probably the reason why Okana appeared in Prodigy, because I right. re- recently read a novel by David Mack, and it had this whole Okana thread. Excellent. Is he the same, or was it a, re- was it a redeeming storyline? No, it was just a, sort of similar. You know, like, Okana's here and does a little mission, has a little some hijinks, <laughs> you know, with the Enterprise crew. 
I'm surprised him and Riker didn't fight, eh? Like, he was more Riker than Riker. He was more Riker than Riker. Yeah. I think I don't think Riker could stand up to him. He was more Riker than Riker, Tom Riker and Kyle Riker combined. O'Connor would crush a chair. He wouldn't go over it. He'd go through it. The chair would move for him. That poor chair. <laughs> Even if it was made out of aluminium? Definitely aluminium. <laughs> I'm wondering if that is what's below the weird uniform the Dr. Noom wears with the shoulder things. I thought it was a regular uniform. Then he was wearing like a black medical coat like Dr. Beverly wears. But mm -hmm. then I saw like he's got like shoulder armor for some reason. I assumed it was more to fit that race's body shape. He's the same species as Jacob Pog. So if it's not uniform standard he should take it off like Anson Rose to take off her um her earring yeah. I agree he shouldn't be wearing it all he should put on the next generation dress uniform with a flap like everyone else is wearing why are we all wearing dress uniforms with a flap he should wear a scant we should all wear a scant like we the should. guy in the first episode that we never see again yeah yeah just that one guy I think we we may have done that again on discovery as well oh I'm gonna miss that I thought that two warp fields couldn't interact because the engines are tuned differently and the fields don't harmonize with each other because they're generated by different engines. Wasn't that a whole thing? I feel like I remember that being a discussion at some point. I feel like there was a suspension of disbelief that's required in this bit too. This is fair. <laughs> Once you're in a warp bubble, what control do you have over it? Like, what's to stop one of the ships going all stop and breaking the bubble Ooh. or lowering its speed or increasing its speed? Like, are we having to go at the same speed as each other now? And if so, who controls the warp bubble? If you're inside a warp bubble, would you be propelled by the momentum of, like, you'd be inside the bubble, right? It's sort of like throwing a ball inside a car. I thought that exactly, exact yeah. same thing too. A, a few times in this episode, there, there was the opportunity to think that. And why can't we increase speed with all that extra power too? Could we, could we break, break the theoretical warp 10 barrier because we've got so much engine? So that's what's weird about both these ships is that both the Protostar and the Dauntless have faster than warp 10 drives. Isn't quantum slipstream supposed to be faster than warp 10? And we know the Protostar, the Proto drive is faster than warp 10. Has that been established? That the prototype is faster than the warp 10? Yeah. Uh, when they were in the Delta Quadrant before the break in the season, right? they did a calculation to find out how long it would take them to get to the Federation from the Delta Quadrant, and it was not years. I don't remember how much it was. <laughs> like seven minutes or something. Yeah, right. It might have been the amount of days between the first half of the season and the second. That would have been good writing. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been. It was probably yeah. how long it was. Yeah. They, they they do do clever things. Do do. I said do do. Yeah. They, should, they do clever things like that here. So, you know, they, they go along with Essentio's whole plan of merging the warp bubbles. And this marks actually just the first time that Tysus just goes along with whatever Essentia says. Essentia seems to have a lot of pull for some reason. Like a few episodes ago, she asked Janeway to come see her apparently. And Janeway was like, you asked to see me? Yeah, I, I've kind of assumed all along that it's going to be Dal. That's the prodigy, but she could be the prodigy. Yeah, it's. I'm wondering if the Valna cat have some sort of if she has having some sort of like telepathic influence on people mm. because with Janeway kowtowing to her and then Tice is kind of following her orders. Mm. I'm wondering if it's something that she's doing that's causing that. 
she seems very confident. We had seven years of Ensign Kim never having that kind of carry on the on Voyager at the same rank level, right? Yeah. He only stood up to two Vok ones. That's all it takes. <laughs> then your mind melted and you're out of there like kissing season three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so unfortunate. Which one hurts more, Kess or Jadzia? Jadzia. Oh, you see, in in my head canon, Jadzia is in all of Deep Space Nine, and that's no slight on Ezri. Yeah, I feel like if if things hadn't been the way they were for the actress, it would have been neat to see a season of Ezri and Jadzia doing Adira and Grey. Yeah, 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 that would be cool. Right, like Jadzia over Ezri's shoulder. Being like, don't do that. <laughs> That's my husband. <laughs> or not Julian. Anyone but Julian. Yeah, like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Julian's already spoken for. He's already dating two dudes. <laughs> yeah, she's, he's got Garrick and O'Brien. I don't know how. How's he going to find time for Esri? O'Brien is so much better to Bashir than he is to Keiko. Oh, yeah. I mean, he finds <laughs> he finds Julian fun. Keiko's just the old yeah. ball and chain. He doesn't take Keiko to the bar. Keiko doesn't want to go to the bar. <laughs> She's got these kids at home. <laughs> she might love him, Dabo. <laughs> uh, she might, but she doesn't have time for it. That's what he keeps her. He keeps mm. her with kids and at home all the time. And growing plants. And when when he's when she's not stuck with the kids, she's got other kids to watch. She's got to watch other people's kids. That's right. Nobody else is doing it. Worf's clearly yeah. not doing it. <laughs> Worf and children? What? Let me help keep these families together because this is apparently <laughs> a common thing in the 24th century. You just abandon your kids. Exactly. It's like the Prodigy Crew. They're abandoned kids. They are abandoned kids. <laughs> They're all Worf's kids and Sarek's, of course. So Zero definitely has some Sarek DNA. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Back aboard the Protostar, Zero's checking out this overhead schematic of the Dauntless and we see lots of schematics of both the Dauntless and the Protostar in this episode. And Zero's watching like an overhead view of the Dauntless. And the Dauntless is very, has like a very similar overhead profile to the Prometheus class that I almost was thinking that that ship that we saw when the Diviner and the Vindicator were describing their story and that whole painting scene. I almost thought maybe that was the Dauntless, but I mean, it's, it's not quite the same. The nacelles are so close together and there's no like gaps. Like the Prometheus has like gaps between the engineering section and the warp nacelles, but no gaps between the saucer and the nacelles. Kind of like a big enough gap that you can connect a ship to it. Well, I mean, the Prometheus class has, has gaps like that when it's together, mm. yeah. but when it's apart, I imagine it would look different. But mm. like the overhead, it's just it's really just it's bugging me. And then like <laughs> I keep wondering about that big hole in the back of the Dauntless's hull. Like, what is that about? Yeah. See, th- th- my easy to try to understand way of explaining that would just be that'd be the shuttle bay. I remember finding the shuttle bay. Oh yeah. The, so they have the shuttle bay shown on the schematics. It's at the back of the ship. They they show uh, a uh, like yeah, a that makes sense too. Delta flyer type off to the right, to the lower right hand corner of the of the main ship schematic, and then they show a shuttle that's inside the ship, and it's towards the towards the lower back. Mm-hmm. When the shooting starts, mm. they know at this point that they're shooting at a bunch of kids in a ship, right? Yes, they know who's got the ship. 
and they even know who the kids are. Yeah, and and still they're just gonna shoot at a bunch of kids. Like no one thinks that's odd. <laughs> yeah, they, they. I think again they suspend the belief there. The justification is more about we're shooting this to protect Federation technology getting into Romulan hands more than the danger we're throwing at the kids. This is fair. I wonder exactly kind of where they are because they they just travel. We don't know quite where they are at the beginning of the episode. Hmm. We sort of get an idea of it towards the end, but like right now, I have no idea where where they are. I don't know how far, how long they were in the holodeck, or how long they could have traveled. And they don't really know where they're going either. They didn't decide to go to warp. It was yeah. the ship itself, so yeah. they don't know where they're going. Uh, Rock suggests this plan to use like some sciencey stuff to send a signal, right? And mm. Pog's like, I can't do it. And this is the first time where I'm like, well, Holloway could have done it. Why don't you call mm. her up and find out what she's doing? Yeah. And maybe ask her to do it. Because that sounded like some non-essential stuff that she could have done. I thought Jekham here was a little bit of a jerk as well. He's not like, no, I don't know how to do it. He's like, yeah, sure. Beep, beep, beep. Like, uh, you don't need to give that level of sarcasm for just an yeah. innocuous suggestion of yeah. how we should go here. But I do like it. Yeah, I didn't find it funny. I just found it a bit mean. No, but see, here's the thing. This is the thing. This is because he's a Tellerite. Okay. So he's just doing Tellerite. But he's not argumentative. It's just, it's just mean. Uh, it is kind of argumentative. Like, he kind of created an argument out of it. I think in reality, my response would be something like along the lines of what you said. Like, uh, you don't have to be a jerk about it. And then that would like spark an argument. Oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm thinking more what he's doing isn't the argument. So it's more the reaction you'll get out of me will make it an argument. You're poking me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Tellerites try to argue. Like, that's their whole goal. Klingons want to go into battle, Tellerites want to argue. I've read somewhere that a good saying is a way of getting someone to agree to an idea is to make it sound like it was their idea. Oh, I guess 100%. the best way to start an argument is not even to start the argument. I would like to watch and see if, like, maybe aboard the Dauntless, when Dr. Noom says something argumentative, if people just don't respond to it. I, I guess, like, conversely, Rock Talk doesn't take the bait. He would have done the reaction that I did, which was, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, hey, that was mean. <laughs> Yeah. So Gwen suggests that we do this telepathy thing, mm. and then Rock Talk tacks onto that. We could use Dow's telepathy, and then Zero and Dow do the thing. I like the way that they like kind of go around the room and build the teamwork. Do we trust Gwen yet? Uh, I do. Implicitly, or could you see her in the next couple of episodes do the old switcheroo? I don't think so. Mm. I think that she's more into Dow than she's into Starfleet. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that she is haunted by the way that she had to view herself, understanding the perspective of the rest of the Prodigy crew and their interaction with her previously and her their interaction with her father and their like their whole their stories on Tars Lamore. Like that's that's part of the story that we didn't get in the the whole you know new flashbacks episode was the story of okay so what was tars lamora really like we've had it alluded to and we know that it wasn't pleasant and it's you know in the beginning in the very beginning scenes we mm. saw you know what looked like you know chained dazed people you know digging at rocks you know doing mining doing hard labor right so that's yeah. sort of like an assumption of oh that's what they were going through but we we haven't discussed how they experienced that we know that Dow ran away and like that's what started this whole thing mm. I'm just thinking that we've set up 
a lot of the back half of the season of Gwyn being kind of ostracising herself from her family and even her race to stay with the Prodigy crew. It could be an interesting writing technique to set that trust up. They set up again in this episode, they reminded us that the diviner is is dad and if the if the mission fails please look after my girl kind of thing yeah that that's reminding us of that connection maybe that connection's bigger than we actually know you know just just thinking i agree with you i think that that might be set up to flip the other way i mentioned it earlier in the season and i think that we're setting up for a redemption of the diviner okay so i think that switch is going to flip the other way and he's going to you know, be like, oh, Starfleet can help us, but now we have the Vindicator trying to do her thing and stay on mission, mm. right? She's still got her dreadnought. Mm. She's still doing her mission. Yeah. You know, like, he's yeah. the one who's, like, deviated from that and then lost his perspective, like, literally, because he didn't know who he was, so he was able to see from a different perspective, and now that he's, like, regaining it, he's still not quite being the way that he was before. True, which we see even later in this episode and he's he's sort of expressing more concern for gwen than for the mission at mm. this point mm. yeah because like what he what he does later could totally tank his mission mm. but in doing that he would still be able to have you know to well he i mean I, I could imagine in his mind he thinks that he would still be able to have a relationship with gwen at that point i completely derailed you there so gwen had an idea it was where we started all that so here's one thing that we've that we've also been watching throughout the season. Speaking of watching things, you know, sort of develop throughout the season, we've been watching how how and when Zero has legs. Mm, yes, like because it's hard to like Zero sometimes doesn't have them and is in the same place where it's, Zero did have them. You know, in the previous episode, or you know, Zero has legs one moment and then the next scene suddenly Zero doesn't have legs. Well, this episode was the first time that I actually saw. It was when Dal and Zero grabbed hands, and then Zero's legs flipped out from like inside Zero's little shell, and then Zero was standing on the legs after they like Zero's a transformer also. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you've got legs, you'd, you'd use them, wouldn't you? Like, why why would you? retract them well my question is why i mean zero can float around so my question is often why why zero using the legs like if zero wanted to because what all zero did was flip out the legs and then kneel on the ground would it have been simpler just to like land on the ground yeah that would be cool so i'm just surprised to finally see zero's legs (laughs) flip out yeah a good move would have been to just float to the ground. Yep. Like, as opposed to, like, taking all the energy to, like, fold out your legs and stand on them and then kneel to the ground. You could have just floated to the ground. But I'm glad they took the opportunity to show me the legs flipping out because that was a bit of curiosity the entire time. If you're using legs when you've got options of not using legs, you are you are actually losing a lot of maneuverability because it if you're relying on your legs it's only on the ground that you've got the capability of moving if you've got legs and does that suspend the ability to hover so that's a good question because i wondered about that in the borg ship could everyone Mm. just have grabbed one of zero's limbs and then zero floated up like a balloon sure like a big red balloon (laughs) i mean when i'm on a borg ship that's how i want to get around that's exactly how i want to get around hopefully there's no clowns around though clowns on a borg ship would be really freaky yeah killer clowns from outer space on a borg ship it would be assimilated yeah assimilated killer clowns 
That's the queen. They don't even like replace any of their limbs. They get a killer clown, <laughs> they assimilate it, and then they kick out the queen and put the killer killer clown in the queen's place. That's really hard to say. The killer clown in the queen's place. <laughs> and then all of the Borg are dressed now like the killer clowns from outer space. And then they would rise up lights. They would rise up all their lights. <laughs> Dal and Zero are there kneeling together and reaching out with their heads and that's when the phaser blast happens and they do the little swap. Well, we can talk about the swap and all just after the break. You want to take a break? That's the end of the teaser, by the way, is what I was trying to say. Excellent. Big teaser. All right, so we'll be right back. Welcome, Weirdos. I'm Taryn Marlar, the host of Weird Darkness, where I bring you true stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, crime, conspiracy, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Named one of the 20 best storytellers in podcasting by Podcast Business Journal and ranked one of the best true crime and paranormal podcasts by Podcast Magazine. Bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the Weird Darkness, found everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. I don't know, I felt weird saying it because I usually Earl welcomes us back. Do you want me to welcome you back? Oh, Would sure. You feel better? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> welcome back, everyone, and welcome back, Jack. I'm keeping all of this in. <laughs> yeah, good. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the welcome back. I appreciate it. You reckon I was listening? <laughs> Janeway, uh, Janeway wakes up in Dell. Um, I'm gonna find a different way to say that. Yeah, no, I guess that's it. Like Janeway wake up, wakes up in Dell. That's that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's okay. I noticed that she's a lot more flickety dickety with her. Uh, maybe that should find a different way to say that. No, no, that's good too. I like it. I'm just googling it. See what it means. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Don't Google that. <laughs> Incognito mode only. But she moves that thing. What is that? It's a skull ganglia. Moves that thing around a lot more than than Dal does. Dal's has a bit of grace about it. It moves like a wave on the beach. It's like Saru's arms out behind him when he walks. Oh yes, I love that. Hog <laughs> puts the brief mystery of the episode slightly together, and then Zero brings it the rest of the way. We're doing the teamwork thing again. See, so it's like a it's like a go around. Like Pog's like, oh, something happened, and Zero's like, yeah, they they got mess mixed up, and then Janeway's what. I don't know what to call this person. This is so one of them's the Admiral and one of them's the Dalway. Okay, I think should we do it on how they physically appear, or should we say Janeway is Dal or Dal is Janeway? Because this is going to be something that we're going to have to do consistently for the rest of the show. On the Dauntless, we have Jane Dal. Right, that's <laughs> like Jane Doe. And then on the Prodigy, we have Dalway. <laughs> oh, that's Admiral. Wait, oh, man. wait, they're both, I'm, I'm... now I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Dalway. Dalway and Jane Dow. That's confusing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can even keep up with that. It's only two moves. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> we're, we're trying to play chess here. Put the checkers away. And I've got a stack of Uno cards instead. <laughs> wait, a stack of what cards? What do you call that? Uno? <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> You have you know? <laughs> we call it Uno. What? <laughs> That's the name of the first officer on Strange New Worlds. <laughs> Do you call her Yuna? <laughs> I call her Una. Right, so that's why we say Uno. <laughs> oh man, I didn't know there was another one. 
I was here with my razor blades and my aluminium razor blades, and now I've got a, a deck of you know to throw on top of it. <laughs> you could you could gamble away the aluminium and the razor blades <laughs> in a game of you know. <laughs> Your ability to say aluminium the correct way was very good. Well done. I've I've been saying it that way since the one with the whales. Oh, is there an Australian in that? I believe it's Jimmy Doohan who says it as Scotty. Oh, excellent. Somebody's asking the question about like what happened in Zero. First says, I don't know. And then immediately follows up with a perfect explanation <laughs> of exactly what's happened here. I don't know, but... I do have this chalkboard over here. If you'll step this way. <laughs> Dal wakes up in Janeway's quarters, and there's a lot of things happening here in this episode with the materials. Her entire quarters, her bed is like perfectly flat. Like it looks like a piece of metal, and the whole rest of her quarters look like a piece of metal, and they're are no adornments. I think that Janeway might be like a mild psychopath. Yeah, maybe minimalist. Or maybe just a love of aluminium. <laughs> Perhaps that's it. Perhaps he just likes the look and feel of it. <laughs> yeah, or like we don't know if this is her what her normal day is as being aboard this ship. This just might be her quarters for this mission and then she goes back to the Daystrom Institute or somewhere. What's interesting is that her second command is a commander. Hmm. Hmm. Let me let me ask you, how big do you think the Dauntless is? Well, I reckon it's about the same size as Voyager. Okay. So when you look at the schematic that they show on the on the in the hallways um during this episode, this thing has seven decks, according to the schematics. Seven? That's that's nothing. You've got the bridge, you've got yeah. engineering. Yeah. You've got you've got medical, maybe science there too, and you've yeah. got ha habitat. Yeah, that's foregone already. Well, you got citation as well. You got to have a whole bunch of ample extra space. Haven't you been aboard the Enterprise D? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You're supposed to have like sprawling hallways that, that that have no people in them because there's only a thousand people in this entire city. <laughs> and, and and there's also a saddle. Yeah, for some reason, because he doesn't ride horses, but I guess, okay. Dal is flipping out in the hallway, which is totally normal. So this is actually the time when Dal's walking past all these schematics. He just barely missed his own divination in the hallway because he's he's going past and the diviner comes out of a doorway like right there i don't know how they miss each other exactly and you know that would have that could have been quite spiritual for <laughs> whoever's in janeway's body at the time it would have saved diviner from bringing these ancient like like manacles from like the 18th century <laughs> to come and get janeway out of the closet yeah do you think he replicated the manacles uh, i think it's something you just carry you just carry you just carry some manacles they didn't notice them in his scans every evil warlord has their favorite manacles that they bring with them on every mission they do i remember Lorca's. Yeah. Lorca had his hanging on the wall yeah he had a lot of trophies all those heads Lorca was like the picard of his universe didn't he have like all of like the skulls and heads of different people picard <laughs> Well, both of them. Oh, well, Picard did have something in Picard. Yeah, the Skull of Sarek. Probably just trying to make up for his lack of his own progeny. Was probably all out of jealousy. If you had a Sarek skull in your room, 
imagine how many kids you'd have. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a horgon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is the ultimate horgon. Janeway's stuck in this uh, conversation with one of the sons of Sarek in the hallway, <laughs> but is thankfully saved by a red alert. I don't know why she can't walk. When you've had a body swap and you're on board a ship that you've never been on before, you get a bit, you know, which direction should I go? What's this way? I usually just remember that the enemy gate is down, but I, that's probably I'm going forward in the episode again. This is the time when Janeway gets beamed up to the bridge without her combat. Right. When we get to the bridge with her, we see the Asensia has a phaser, and I think that shouldn't that be in the drawer, like in front of her or something? Like, do you, are you supposed to carry a phaser on the bridge? I don't think that's part of the uniform for the helm officer. <laughs> like, it might be for security, but even then, I don't think Wolf Wolf doesn't walk around with a phaser all the time. I feel like I feel like wherever you are, Wolf could produce a phaser from somewhere. Remember, he does have two, so it might look like he's got a phaser. Is that three phasers? Or are you just... <laughs> <laughs> no, it is three phasers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warp is definitely three phasers. He's definitely going to shoot up the club. <laughs> and suddenly we've got a new Sarek. It's exactly like uh, Dale, D uh, Dale, Dale's little uh, characterization of Janeway with the finger guns. That's what Warp, Warp is doing. That's right, exactly. <laughs> I was really, I was mesmerized by the little scene that was behind Janeway with the protostar like flying through. It, it was like a, if we just still mm -hmm. had screensavers, I would definitely make that, you know, a screensaver for my, for my computer. There is some a absolute stunning drawing in this episode. Yeah. And even the animation of Dell as Janeway is terrific. I was noticing the voice acting and I feel like in my head, I was like, did Kate Mulgrew record these lines and then Brett Gray did his best to, which was really stunning by the mm. way, to mimic the way that she spoke because it sounded like him but it sounded like her also. Yeah, and I noticed it more when they oh, this is going around again, sorry, but at the end of the episode when they're back in their original bodies, uh -huh. how different they sounded then too, yeah. Yeah, like they sort of like melded with each other. At times I wasn't sure whether I was hearing her or hearing him. I think that's just great voice acting so this is around the same time that Janeway just like creates a whole bunch of confusion on the bridge by because you know they're firing phasers and Janeway says stop and then for some reason Tysus is like oh we'll stop the pursuit like Tysus no one said that no one said stop the pursuit she said stop firing the phaser back to the idea of a Tellarite being argumentative. The Tellarite is the Tellarite on this crew, uh, the Dauntless crew, is now arguing with the producers of the show because the producers of the show have been trying to say, "Don't drink coffee, kids." Yes, that's right. We've been really pushing tea this season. Yeah, we? yeah except for Doctor Noom because he's he, yeah. he got to argue. Noom's got Tellarite's got to argue. So. But He's, you could still argue this is an anti-coffee message because we spit it out and it tastes disgusting. Immediately, yes. So that's that's pretty good. I wonder who mops up the bridge after that. Is that like part of like, that's like a Beckett Mariner job? Yeah. Oh no, no. This is Boimler. Yeah. I knew it as soon as I said it. <laughs> Mariner would be watching. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Definitely. With with some tips. Boimler would be loving it. Yeah. Boimler would be like, I'm on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. He'd be super excited about mopping up that yeah. bridge. Yeah. Well, since we talked about mopping up the bridge, I think it's time that we take a little break and come back for Act 2. 
So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back, Jack. Yes, welcome back. Thank you, and welcome back, everybody. And I hope <laughs> that you've enjoyed all of our lovely spots this episode. There's been a lot of spots, and <laughs> we're having a good time. <laughs> we're back with the Protostar crew now examining the living construct. What are they doing? Are they just staring at it, being mesmerized by the patterns it's making? Do you think if you expose the living construct to the Borg, then they'll be confused and it'll shut them down? Like the... Uh, oh, no, no, no. The, the Borg would love it. Yeah, that, that would eat that up. That would, you know, that technical uh, technology uniqueness would then become their own and they would own it. You know, I forgot that we already answered that question. The Borg were very interested in the living construct, weren't they? They said they were going to assimilate it, and then they were going to use it to assimilate others. And they slept through it for some reason. Huh. I don't know why they slept through that episode. Well, they were awake for part of that episode. Surely they know from years ago that you don't all sleep at once. The Queen's all by herself. Everybody, wake up. No, everybody can't go to sleep. We got to do this in shifts. Yeah. What are you doing? You can't all yeah. sleep. At yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, who's going to fly the ship, guys? Exactly. It's Alpha Shift's turn to sleep. And, like, Jenkin Pog is the only Borg drone that wakes up all by himself. Like, oh, my God. I got to be the one to fix the ship. <laughs> Do you know how many Borg drones are just ejected <laughs> by themselves, like, flying through space because they had to wake them up to fix the ship? <laughs> or they didn't want to wake up. <laughs> Stuff this. I'm ejecting myself from this. I mean, yeah, they definitely don't have to worry about the oxygen on a Borg ship. I don't, are there, how do they keep the oxygen in there is what I want. Do they need, do you think the Borg breathe? Oh, well, they'd have to, wouldn't they? Because they're, they're still biological. I, I mean, sort. do you, well, I sort of wonder if the, like, technological stuff is simulating biological stuff, similar to, like, you know, a, a Dodge or a Soji. Hmm. I guess nanoprobes can do a lot of stuff for you. They might be able to be oxygen too. I kind of wonder, like, why the Borg just don't make Cybermen? Like, wouldn't that? Well, I mean, that's what they're doing. But I forgot that they have people inside there. <laughs> like, they could just make androids, right? Well, they love data, don't they? They're very intrigued by data. They admire data. But that, but so much Tasha, yeah. This is true. Yeah, <laughs> but just, for, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> In a scene that we didn't see, you know, the the Protostar crew mm. explains to Admiral Janeway what's been going on. Oh yes, we didn't see that, but we. But I guess as an audience, would have we would have we benefited them from that, or would have only just been seeing Janeway go, "Oh, you guys aren't <laughs> yeah, bad kids after yeah, all." That's that's basically the part we got was the end of the conversation. That's good writing too, isn't it? That we not just recapping for the sake of the characters there that the they're assuming that the audience mainly and again the target audience mm -hmm. being children that the audience can keep up with it yeah i think it like sort of builds the excitement mm. leading up to them making that first attempt to try to swap back so it's like oh now janeway knows and now they're going to swap back right now and had they swapped back right then you know like the other developments that happened later wouldn't have happened and it would have been like an easier transition mm. so i guess that's why the swap back <laughs> does not work in this moment <laughs> and instead Asensia walks in and finds Admiral Janeway playing with a little model of the Voyager yeah which is fun that's the only thing that she has in her quarters is a model of the Voyager and that's probably so she just remembers Chakotay that's it maybe she feels like like you know we, we, we might have a photo up of, of, of our loved ones she just keeps a model of the ship that they used to share well so also on a on a wall that we didn't see 
in her quarters. She does have like a painting of Chakotay hanging on the wall. <laughs> is this Chakotay in the spirit realm or is this Chakotay in real life? He's riding a jaguar. Do you mean the, the vehicle or do you mean the animal? No, no, no. He's riding the animal. Ooh. There's fig leaves involved. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Oh, he's... well, maybe not great. <laughs> Get rid of the fig leaves. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a like holographic blind on it that she can turn off when she wants to. <laughs> so that's the fourth wall that they keep talking about how people can break sometimes. It is indeed. Yeah, excellent. She did a little over the shoulder uh, implied fourth wall break at one moment. Yeah, and we had that last week too when when Jacob had a, a look at the camera too. For sure. Over many years of examination, I've noticed that Federation starships don't seem to have doors that lock, and sometimes they do. Like, sometimes you, and, you know, come, but I think that that's an option. Yeah. Because I've seen so many times that you could just, like, walk into someone's room. Maybe you have to lock it for it to be locked. It's not It's not locked automatically. Yeah, Janeway didn't lock it, Cynthia didn't lock it, so Noom just mm. comes on in without knocking. This is this is my favorite part of the actions of Dal in Janeway. The physical mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The time when she's doing the climb over the desk and stuff. Um, I must admit, my my favorite bit of him is going pew pew pew. That's Janeway. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, fun Janeway moments in this episode because yeah. she's doing Dal. I like Kate Mulgrew's characterization of Dal as much as I enjoyed Brett Gray's characterization of Janeway. Yeah, no, they both did superb, didn't she? But but I guess the thing for, for Kate Mulgrew is she didn't have to pretend to be someone for that episode. She could just be herself. Oh, that's an interesting... Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. She shoves uh, Noom onto the bridge and then just, like, nopes out on everyone. Yes. They're stunned only for a second. And then they're like, well, I guess that's Janeway. Do you think that she does this often? Is this like... When, when we're not looking, this is how Janeway always is. That's why no one seems surprised by it. Maybe that's what happens when she doesn't have her tea or her coffee. She just gets she just gets loopy. Oh, that's right. You know, it's the low blood sugar thing. Maybe this is the outtakes of the year of hell. Oh, there was a lot of loopiness across the year of hell. Because, you know, that was originally going to be like a full season arc. Yeah. That got condensed into two episodes. So over the course of that full season, we were going to see Janeway in many states with coffee and in many states without coffee. Ooh. That was going to be part of the character exploration that we were going to do through that season. That would have been a dark season, but it would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been neat. But I guess Voyager was pretty safe back in the day too, wasn't it? Like, uh, we're still going the episodic stuff. Did you see Seven of Nine? Which bit? All of the bits. <laughs> I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you saying that Seven of Nine was a risky character? Yeah, like, when they first started announcing that seven to nine was coming and also announcing at the same time the cast was leaving i was like oh so i see what they're doing <laughs> like this is yeah. really obvious and this is and now i'm mad at seven of nine and i don't even know her and i'm like this is dumb because it was just like the silver cat suit like booby lady you felt pretty obvious what they were doing didn't it it really did especially in the moment and then it was like and then like her second episode was like i'm going back to the borg and i was like what this is too much i i was in the navy at the time that these were coming out and yeah. i think i may have stopped watching voyager for a little while right and that wasn't because of what you were doing <laughs> the assignment i just like i was like i don't have time for this <laughs> yeah <laughs> was, this is just i don't know what they're doing 
I remember hearing the actress that played Topol say something along the lines of, "There's um, only I'll, I'll paraphrase, but there's only so much that someone's physical appearance can can excuse for bad story writing." Sure. Yeah, yeah, there's only so much that can make up for because they did yeah. have very pretty people on Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, they they had they had some pretty uh, good casting directors. I think that they also had really interesting stories. I thought you hated Enterprise. It's not that I hate it; it's that it doesn't spark my interest. Usually, with Star Trek, I'm drawn in immediately, and what happens with Enterprise is that I'm drawn in, and then they lose me. <laughs> most of the time because I'm like oh this is interesting and then it I think it's only because there's only four characters in Enterprise yeah so there's Trip and there's Archer and there's T'Pol and there's Reed right? no no like... no not Reed the Doctor oh, Reed's not sure. even major enough to be a yeah. character because I mean... all Reed do, does is complain that we're, that we're doing the action that we're doing oh we shouldn't do that uh, <laughs> oh no we shouldn't do that the spoil sport <laughs> Yeah, but Mayweather and Sato, they don't do anything throughout the series. <laughs> I always get excited when when Mayweather gets a line. Yeah, always, he's like, oh, there he is. It's always real interesting. Just yeah. like when uh, like when Bryce gets a line on Discovery. Oh. Who? Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> apparently, Lieutenant Christopher, apparently. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't there? A, there's there's two male bridge officers, right? That aren't Saru Discovery. Oh, I can I can never remember his name. Oh, it's Reese, Lieutenant Reese. Yeah, yeah. Because the amount that they do, <laughs> so minimal. Yeah, Lieutenant Reese smiles a lot, which is nice. I guess. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's the differentiator. He's just happy to be on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. definitely a Boimler. <laughs> Excellent. One hundred percent a Boimler. Uh, so Asensia is like, oh, can we stop them alone? Do you think we can handle it? The whole suggestion of, like, you should call a whole crew here. Like, she should have just said, hey, you should call a whole bunch of people here to see what... You should bring everybody here. <laughs> like, see, see if you can get... See how many ships you can get here at one time. Like, because Tysus does this thing again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the third time that she makes a suggestion. And Tysus is like, oh, let's do that, Ensign. Yeah, Tysus spends the episode kind of looking worried and then going yeah that does appear to be the right decision without actually yeah. coming up with an idea of himself yeah like, it's sort of like well nobody's saying anything so she says something and he's like oh okay let's do that sure I don't, I don't yeah. know let's try that one maybe that's why he's not in the big chair yet you know because he can't make decisive decisions I that look what happened to his captain the vice admiral had to step in and take command of the yeah. ship because the captain right. was leading everybody into Tysus the way Tysus is. Yeah, the, the, whatever word that is. <laughs> well, for the captain, dead, apparently. Yeah, like Tuvix. Poor captain. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it was Captain Tuvix of the USS Atlas. <laughs> Vice Admiral struck again. Yeah, Vice Admiral's like, there's no way you could be captain. No, this is <laughs> this is sacrilege. This is not happening. She does make a point about how she feels about augments in this episode too. So that's obviously a callback to two weeks and not it's the clear. eugenics wars, right? It's clear. Yeah. yeah. When when she actually goes down to the construct lair 
and meets herself. This is mm. when I'm wondering, like, so wait, Holloway's just been down here this whole time? Like, what is she? Yeah, who activated her? <laughs> y'all y'all aren't worried about this? Like, when she disappeared, I'd have been like, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> like, wait, 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 come back. Hold on. We need to keep an eye on you. Yeah, but the assumption is when you're deactivated that you're deactivated. So something or someone reactivated her. Yeah, it was the living construct. Like, they should have said, no, 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 don't go anywhere. What are you doing? And now she's hanging out with the enemy. Yeah, on the subterranean deck. Janeway finds the little switch to open the, the hidden hatch. And uh, their their conversation is cracking me up because Holloway says, you know, deactivating seemed like the easy way out. And then Janeway's like, yeah, sounds like something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you would do. You're just you're just going to say it right up front. I would just I would have taken the easy way out just like you. But neither Janeway <laughs> has a reputation of being lazy. Janeway never took the easy way out. The easy way out is is not killing the array at the, in episode one of Voyager. I mean, they didn't show it, but like she actually was asleep during most of the year of hell. <laughs> it just didn't look good on camera. Yeah, they were like, just cut this part. Like most of the time yeah. that we didn't see her on screen, if we didn't see her on screen, then she was probably in bed. I think the original title for Voyager was Star Trek Voyager, Chakotay will handle it. Yeah, Chakotay's got this. I'm going to go to um, that Irish pub that Tom created. They merged crews, and then she was like, what have I done? Oh, I got to go. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, uh, (laughs) that will do. You guys figure this out. Yeah. That was the whole thing about Tuvix. Deactivating seemed like the easy way out. Sounds like something I'd do. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, it's easier to deactivate him than to keep. (laughs) I would deactivate people. I deactivate holograms. I'll deactivate anybody I want. Stop me. That's right. Yeah, and I'll deactivate you if you don't fall in line. So do what I say. <laughs> Tuvix. Oh, I mean, Holloway. I'm a bit scared. I'm feeling I might be deactivated by the end of this episode. Well, I think we will all be de- deactivated by the end of the episode. <laughs> what I'd like to add to deactivate is this paint story. Oh, you didn't like that story? <laughs> like, that story didn't make any... Like, she's like, I spilled a whole bunch of paint, and my dad was like, make something nice out of it. No, it's it's paint. <laughs> it's just paint. Like, cause I, <laughs> So in my head, it was just like, she spilled some paint on the floor. What do you... What am I supposed to paint the floor? Is that what you want me to... You yeah. want, did you really want a yellow floor? <laughs> yeah, but not only that, she could have picked a better story to prove that she was Janeway. I would have said something like... I don't really care for Mark. Right. Or like, you know, you know like, you, hey, you remember that mole just above Chakotay's right nipple? <laughs> or I actually really enjoyed being a salamander with Tom. <laughs> remember that time with Tom? Remember the corkscrew? Wait, do salamanders have a corkscrew? I'm... <laughs> Remember that time that we mind-melded with Sarek? Remember that time we killed that, that weird freak that came out of the transporter? Yeah. <laughs> Remember that year of hell? Remember that time that <laughs> we were mother to a Borg? Oh. Remember that time that, like, we turned down Mark who wanted to have kids and instead I raised a, we raised a Borg? <laughs> Remember when we pretended like we didn't notice that Neelix was a 40-year-old man sleeping with a 3-year-old? Oh, yeah. 
remember when we chose Neelix over Tuvix. <laughs> that was an interesting choice. Well, I think the choice that she was making was for Tuvix, not so much for... Because if she could have just taken the Neelix out and just left it, but the doctor was like, no, 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 we have to keep both of them. What are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I just want Tuvok. I don't, just, we don't need both. You can't just scrap Neelix. <laughs> what are you doing? You do that and there's no point for Kes to be here. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Skip ahead a couple of episodes. It's weird that Admiral Level Clearance won't let her restore control of the ship. Yes. Which is what she literally says. And I'm like, wait, what level clearance do you have to have? So I I reckon she does have clearance. I reckon it's the construct that's blocking it. So the mm. question isn't does does she have clearance? It's what's preventing her from having the clearance that she should have. She shouldn't have clearance for anything. <laughs> ethically do you mean or do you mean no i mean like the living construct should well like yeah like she really shouldn't have access to to anything (laughs) like the admirals were reviewing her seven-year record from voyager and they were like sheer fucking hubris but they promoted her i guess they gave her the desktop job to get her away from commanding real people i mean that's what we thought but now here she is on the dauntless oh she 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 created this excuse she was like, uh, mm. I have to go after Chakotay. Yeah, well, no one else was going to. You can't just sit here at the, at this desk. Give me a, a a huge ship with only seven decks. And no whales. Not a single whale in sight. Yeah. Although the ship kind of looks like a whale. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Janeway's rebuilding the corrupted files and as we're flipping through so we get like a little shot of Chakotay at the bridge mm. and then there's this scene that has two Valnakat and a Dreadnought and then this other guy that's in like some weird leather outfit with like a triangle head I don't know if he's doing like a furry thing off to the side or what what do you mean by furry thing off to the side do you mean he's, he's making out with a triple like, do you know how people put on like the leather masks in the shape of like a dog, and they put on like a whole leather outfit, and then like crawl around and pretend to be a dog and be led around by? Oh, is that an American thing? Oh, I think we might hang out with different people. <laughs> <laughs> Not a very common experience, huh? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me, I've got to run. Um... <laughs> Yeah, this is the thing. There's whole television shows about it and stuff. Yeah, right. Wow. Like this is a scene from Pulp Fiction, right? I, likely. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. The um, <laughs> the the last scene that she saw were the two dreadnoughts apparently implanting the living construct, and I'm wondering why they didn't just plant like some extra dreadnoughts on the protostar as well. That would have helped protect the living construct, and they're pretty smart. Like, they could have just sent Dreadnoughts by themselves as much as they, you know, as smart as they are. You've got me wondering now if they will actually implant something on Chakotay, too. I mean, we're all assuming Chakotay's alive. It's not necessarily going to be a happy reunion if he can explode or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very curious part of the story. I'm also, another very curious part of the story is, like, dealing with the Chakotay part is, like, I feel like there's a a mismatch of the temporal direction of the story as the Valnakat know it versus how the universe will experience it as we know it. True. I feel like the second visit came first. Chakotay mentioned a temporal temporal anomaly, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that when he showed up was the second visit and then the rescuing of Chakotay is the first visit and it hasn't happened yet for us. 
Yeah, I, I wonder at that because I assumed that the the invading party was coming through the temporal anomaly, but there's also an option that Chakotay is going through it and going to a different time or and place. Where Chakotay is 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 a good mystery, and I kind of thought that it would be solved a little bit sooner. And because it's not live action, they won't find themselves in the year that it's being filmed. Like they do yeah. in every other time travel mystery. He could be anywhere. He could this be he could be with Data's head in um, could the Wild be. West. Or yep. he could be in the future with Michael Burnham crying. He could be in the even further future with Kraft dancing. Oh. With a hologram. And uh, yeah, um Calypso. That's the one. Yeah. Good deep cut. During this little this little recording, Chakotay is talking about how he got this heavy damage after going through the temple anomaly, and I've thought that maybe the bridge was different because I just the way they showed it, I I thought maybe they weren't showing mm. us things on purpose because it does seem in this show sometimes that they don't that they intentionally don't show us some things that they can reveal later. I, I'm definitely it, still stuck on the idea about the protostar being <laughs> the lower section of uh, Prometheus class. So. Yeah, you, you're going to be so upset if there's no r- reveal there, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to listen to that episode. <laughs> In fact, another thing I was thinking, I was wondering if um, maybe the protostar doesn't form into a Prometheus, but something else, like maybe something along the lines of a super Nova class starship. That falls in line with the next two episodes, right? Oh, wouldn't that be neat? Oh, dear. Yeah, there's so much that can happen in such a short time. Yeah, and a lot that has to happen, I think. Yeah, um, it did look different, but I thought the lighting was different in this memory sequence, but I attributed that to it being a memory rather than it being um, a different class of ship or a different reveal that the that the animators were going for yeah i do think that they were on a, an alert status is probably why that was they might have tricked me here but yeah i just thought it, it it like i my suspension of belief here was oh this is a memory sequence so it looks different well i mean but it's a holog it's a memory sequence of a hologram that records via computer but isn't infallible that's true it is it is we have mm. learned that it's fallible all Janeways are fallible <laughs> oh yeah apparently she is fa- Holloway is fallible because like when she sees the scene and then Vice Admiral asks are they <laughs> and then Holloway's like I don't know why don't you why don't you what do you mean you don't know hold on <laughs> weren't you there weren't you just remembering and showing me your memory like why don't you know yeah why don't you know more <laughs> why did you stop there <laughs> She just right. she just stopped recording. But that's when she went back to bed. Maybe she had Mark caught giving her a call, and she had to choose between Chakotay's attention and Mark's. It, she was. It was definitely Tuvok calling. <laughs> she's not answering the. She's not answering the phone for Mark. You know there was something going on between Tuvok and Janeway, right? Well, I just assumed it was Tuvok and Neely. Like because remember, like <laughs> at the beginning of Voyager, it was in the beginning of Voyager. That's what we we were going to get Tuvok. I just assumed that from the point where. I can't remember why they were stranded on a planet, but Chakotay and Janeway were like on a planet for three or four months and Tuvok was captain and they left them there and they had a really nice M-class planet with outdoor beds Yeah, and and, and they were single beds, but I just assumed that, you know, it wouldn't take too many weeks before you'd make that a a standard double, right? Yeah, you just slide those together. Yeah, that's right. You, you built them. They, you, could, you could probably move them around. They connect easier than the two ships we've been talking about in this episode. They, I hope <laughs> they do. 
it's the segue. Rock Talk comes in with that portmanteau game. But so this is where like so this is where we come up with the Admirdow. There's an interesting lesson that uh that Zero gives us here. Interesting lesson that Zero gives us here is that ancient Organians would transfer consciousnesses into other bodies by physical touch. Yeah, now do we know the Organians? So the we do. We saw them in the original series. The Organians, oh. well, we re- at least referenced them. The Organians were the ones who brokered the peace treaty between the Klingon Empire and the uh, Federation. They're the reason that we can't use cloaking devices. Oh, and then they left. I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of the treaty yeah. as well. We're yeah. out of here. They're, okay, well, y'all got to bugger off. <laughs> but we won't use cloaking devices. And we accept that because we don't want the Organians around. We don't. I mean, it would be nice to cloak, but yeah, we let's don't. get rid of these Dal guys. is their, their way to sneak back in, I think. Yeah, excellent, because he's probably 125th Organian. Yeah, Rock Talk explains the uh, the whole link and uh, how the mind walk can turn into a space walk. It's going to be a space mind walk. A mind mm. space walk? I don't know which one it is. That's the Michael Jackson dance, right? It is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And they're like, I don't know if you can handle it. And then Janeway's like, "What? Let me tell you about this deal I had with Tom Paris once upon a time." Everyone has. Yeah, she's like, "Nothing's but, nothing was as difficult as that." Just ask the Delaney sisters. How many kids do you think he had with the Delaney sisters? They were like three or four with Janeway, weren't there? Yeah, I think there were at least two. It's been a while since I've watched Threshold. What do you think the most difficult part of that was? Do you think the most difficult part of turning back into a human was like how much like did she get counseling more for the paris part of it or just for the salamander part of it altogether i think it's the abandonment bit that would need the most counseling Mm. like and there's no reason why those kids couldn't have come on board and had the same procedure become human too yeah i i did wonder why they just have been we do a lot of child abandonment in star trek we love to abandon a child it's just things that we do it's it's star trek (laughs) This is what we do. That's right. We make orphans. But we do judge planets that use kids as their supercomputers. Oh, no, no, no. no. We don't torture kids. <laughs> we just leave them behind so we don't end up torturing them by mistake. We we torture them psychologically by ignoring them. We don't torture them physically, though. We ignore them so much that they try to create machines that take over the entire ship by mistake. Every episode of Wesley yeah. <laughs> is him, is yeah. him um, taking over the ship. Just trying to get some attention. Hello, someone, yeah. please, someone listen to me. Jeez, am I going to have to kill a fellow cadet in an acrobatic show to get some attention? <laughs> That's what you got to do around here. <laughs> uh, Murph is the one to notice Vice Admiral Dal out, out the window. Yeah, Murph did some great things in this episode. I do think that it makes sense that Dal would only learn SOS. That's actually pretty easy. It's pretty pretty simple pattern. Yep. And Rock Talk excitement about the charades is only slightly less than Rock Talk's excitement about the glitter smooch, glitter smooches from last week. <laughs> now the charades game was played remarkably well, but also the ability for Dell to interpret the charade was very good. Now I'm rubbish at charades; you know, it's too um, abstract for me to be able to work out what you're trying to communicate. Yeah, they I just don't did know. it. They did it. They did it. Bang straight away. You well, know? they did like a whole play. That, that was not really charades. That was like a whole play acting thing. Like they sort of did the whole thing for him. So if you're playing charades, you don't go all out like that. 
you don't I think, go costumes. I mean, you can't use extra people. <laughs> and cost, yeah, costumes are, are kind of a no-no as well. You're going to have to use what you have. You have to use your, you have to channel your inner mime. See, the audience comes for the Star Trek, but they stay for the rules of charades. That's that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's right. The number one rule of charades is... Don't talk about charades. <laughs> as we drag Janeway down the corridor and Noom saying that, you know, we don't know who you are, that's when mm. we come to sort of like the, the biggest crux, the biggest climax of the episode, I guess. We're starting to figure things out. And that is that brings us actually to the end also of Act Two. Ooh. So shall, shall we, we take, take a break? break? Oh, let's yeah, do that. Let's, let's, we, we've agreed. All right. <laughs> Be right back. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Isaac. And this is Unplanned Trek. Why are we here, Isaac? Well, because we like the guys from Let's Talk About Treks. And we really love Star Trek and we really love planning. Unplanned Trek. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Jack. Yes, welcome. Oh, I like the, I like the sound of the welcome back, Jack. Welcome <laughs> back. Here we are. We are closing in on the, and we are in the home stretch of this mind walk. It's been, it's, it's an exhausting mind walk. Are you doing just, okay? Just ours, just our mind walk, not, not the show's mind. The show, the show's mind walk was like twenty four minutes. It was great. It was exhilarating. But our podcast, not so much. I, know. I think that was my implication. <laughs> I realized when I got to the end of the sentence, I was like, "Well, what are you saying?" <laughs> I mean, our, our cherished listeners have been listening for a lot more than 24 minutes now. I, I, yeah, I hope they are snug in their stainless steel spacesuits. When did we switch to stainless steel spacesuits? When did we stop calling them aluminium? Oh, they might be aluminium spacesuits, but then they'd be clear because we do the transparent. Well, that's what the, the face shield is. The face shield's definitely transparent aluminium. Is it one of those um, screen spacesuits? You know, like the one that um, Michael Burnham had in the when she set up the Klingon War at the at the start of Discovery. Yeah, she like does her, sort of. Her ooh, helmet was a screen. Yeah, it was great. I liked those. The heads-up display in the in the helmet. Those are great. Yeah, better than better than anything that happens after that we in the should, future. <laughs> I... Oh, I, I, I didn't. I, I know how that sounded. I meant that. Can canonically, Discovery is before most things, and most helmets after that don't have that ability. That's what I meant. I wasn't giving a, I wasn't saying anything bad about Discovery. I love Discovery. Okay, good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you yeah. saved that because Discovery does have the best helmets, apparently. Yeah, but then they stopped using them. <laughs> no, no, no. So wasn't she? She was flying through space with one, wasn't she? After uh, in uh, when we were. Um, I can't remember. No, no, there's been there's been four times that she's been flying through space by herself because she does it once a season. Yeah, but and that, I'm absolutely fine with that. My point is that this happens before TOS, TNG, DS9, and Discovery, yeah. where we, and we no never have the we never, never see them have again. That technology again. Yeah, that that's the point I was making. No, no, no. I would like to see this. I would like to see them repeated a thousand years in the future. Do they still have them? Then is everyone like, oh, you have heads up display? We never thought of that. Like all technology went back a thousand years when like when they went through the burn, I guess. Hey, apparently so. Except yeah. for transporters. Transporters went forward. Oh, yeah. I always thought that 
Burnham was going to be the cause of the burn because Burnham sounds like burn. I, I thought that all the way through that season. I did think yeah. that would be a great cheesy Star Trek-like connection. Yeah. One part of the whole thing about Dal is I'm wondering, just because of the tenor of this episode and the potential way that the Valnakat are, because they seem rather unusual for you know your Star Trek aliens, I'm wondering if somehow this part of the prodigy story will fix the issue that we have with the augments right well so we've we've reminded the traditional audience member of the eugenics war and the augments issue and we've introduced it to kids that presumably this is their introduction to star trek but yeah we've certainly pushed it out that dow won't be welcome at all under any circumstances exactly i think that this being sort of the furthest future not you know discovery notwithstanding but the furthest future mm. of the continued timeline of 80s and 90s star trek so does this take place after picard on canon yes right okay i didn't hadn't had my head around that i could be wrong i so i that's one point of fact that i need to like hammer into my head a little better but i feel like this is did you say hammer i did yeah cool did you see what i did there <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, Picard happens later because part of the supposition was perhaps the cube that the Prodigy ran across is the same one that was in Picard because they have sort of a similar design. The artifact. Yes, and the idea is that... So Zero did something with Zero's mind to reach out to the Borg, right, mm. in, in the episode that we saw. And then later... Potentially that same cube was taken down by the strong emotions of, uh, what is her name, Ramda, the Romulan? Wait, was her name Ramda? The red-haired Romulan. Oh, yeah, right. I, I thought it was the defector one. The way they said it was that the Borg ship made the mistake of trying to assimilate the wrong Romulan ship. Right. And so there was the, the woman who was on the artifact playing with the puzzle and, you know... The, the Unicards, yeah. Yes, the Uno cards. <laughs> and we were talking about the news of the day and fables and myths yeah. and all that. And I think the implication of the understanding was that like it was contact with her brain that took down the board cube. Right. And I'm wondering if Zero's influence over that cube is what made them susceptible to her emotions later. It's not impossible. Yeah, it's it's highly unlikely. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's, I think it was just an interesting mind experience experiment is what I'm trying to say yeah I guess like the setup of what there's no way that Dow can be in Starfleet sets him up to be the prodigy as well like if Vice Admiral vouches for him and the way he's gone about this mission and the, and the leadership he's done and, mm -hmm. and and that it wasn't his choice to be who he is, but he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's doing the best he can and has actually prevented something awful happening. Maybe he can be the hero that can actually be the exception to the rule. And maybe we can all just get along again. Agreed. I think part of the <laughs> thing about Una is that she lied about it. Right, or withheld it. So that indicates a dishonesty and a hiding things. Right. So that's one of those typical Khan Singh traits, just being duplicitous. Mm. So if Dal is coming to them not being duplicitous and not exhibiting, you know, traits that apparently they're ascribing to augments and is what's causing the issues with Starfleet and augments, then maybe that's sort of like a 
a sideways loophole kind of thing. Which Noonie and Singh did you say? I'm sorry, Khan! Got it! <laughs> the redemption arc that I feel like the Diviner is going through is like highlighted when he has this whole conversation with who he thinks is Vice Admiral Janeway and then releases mm. her. Yeah. I think that, you know, him being more dedicated to Gwen is part of that story too. It's interesting. I hadn't actually thought of his storyline as a redemption story arc until you mentioned it in this episode. He was a lot fiercer in the first half of the season, wasn't he? Yeah. Before, well, if you like the real season one. Because I'm looking at Prodigy as two seasons, to be honest, yeah. so far. It, it does feel the, like two seasons. Yeah. Um, and with the length of gap between, that certainly felt that way. But the, the interesting thing that I think about this particular moment is I thought this was very Shran-like from Enterprise. It's more like, you've done a good thing for me, therefore I do a good thing for you and we're even now. But if I do another good thing, you will owe me one. And that was kind of all Shran Archer for the the Andorian human storyline that happened throughout <laughs> Enterprise. It's, it's very Bajoran, flipped on its head. Bajoran? You did something for me, so now I owe you. <laughs> No, no, no. You did something for me. Do I I owe you? Oh, the, yeah, yeah. There's that episode of Lower Decks, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the son of Sarek is literally standing there talking to someone <laughs> about Vice Admiral Janeway when she just, like, tiptoes behind him. Yep. And I'd just like to say this son of Sarek is still loved more than Cyborg. <laughs> of, of course. Of course. Cybok <laughs> has been thrown out of the window. That's right. So he goes trying to find God and just to get some attention. Like, hey, guys, look, I found God. <laughs> Can you listen to oh, me now? Okay, you found God, but you're still not Spock. Go to your room. <laughs> Unification, ever heard of it? Meanwhile, Michael Burnham's in the future saving galaxies. <laughs> it's hard being a being a Sarek kid, that's for sure. You can save the universe, you can travel, and you can save all life in the galaxy, <laughs> and then you still like have a have a bone to pick with the universe. That's right. He's just he's smoking a cigarette, going, "What took you so long?" Yeah. <laughs> Janeway's donning her stainless steel suit, and I'm, I I really like the new stainless steel look of these of these spacesuits. They look comfy too. Not the robotic arm thing that you have to do and make every move very difficult. They do look very cushy, like they're padded inside. Mm. Like they have some very comfortable pad. The the Starship Dauntless has the very same finish of these suits. Like you could really get lost mm. against it. Like people couldn't really see you. Yeah, because they they have sort of the same the same stainless steel look. I sort of like the stainless steel for a Federation hull. Also, maybe we could wear stainless steel in the interior of of our starships as well. Instead of our standard red, blue, and yellow. We just have like a ship full of Robocop. Oh, that's like Cybermen, though. <laughs> that's what the Cybermen came from. It's just people in spacesuits, and then the spacesuits took over. <laughs> the living construct took over the spacesuits and turned them all into Cybermen. It would be a really good... Um, uh, what's that dance called when people just start dancing in public, but it's all... Really oh, like a flash mob? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, it'd be a really decent flash mob. It would, with the stainless yeah. steel suits, for sure. <laughs> The crew sees Janeway outside, but they can't beam her. But mm. they did it before. They just beamed mm. her up to the bridge, like just a minute ago. Yeah, they didn't say they didn't say why they couldn't, but I guess we assume that's because she's outside. No, he said because of the uh, because of the conjoined warp field, it was causing too much distortion, which wasn't an issue earlier. Apparently not. Yeah. Okay. 
she got from the back to the front of the ship super fast i did like that they kind of highlighted a trope of science fiction that you just always happen to be at the right place yeah the fact that that oh no i'm on the wrong end of the ship that's a great start to that scene yeah and that's when michael burnham would have turned on the thrusters that are on her spacesuit Mm-hmm. Not to go back to how great Michael Burnham's spacesuit is, but she had thrusters on hers. And if you put thrusters on your spacesuit while traveling at warp, do they become right. warp? This is our tennis ball throwing up in the air when you're traveling scenario again. I think if you if you hit your thrusters at full power when you're jumping off the bow of a spaceship at warp, you just immediately turn into a salamander, and then you splat on the. <laughs> <laughs> they have to put the windscreen wipers on to right, get, rid of exactly. get rid of your salamander remote. Oh, splash another one. <laughs> what happened? You know what happened. We told her don't hit the thrusters. And they don't slow down. They don't pick up any remains. They just keep going. You would think that they would pick up stuff that they drop. Like, if you drop some technology, you're supposed to go. Didn't we learn anything from, uh, what was it? Oh, that's right. If we hadn't had to hide the whole thing about discovery, then we would have learned the lesson about don't leave your material sitting around. Didn't we learn that with Vija anyway? Oh, fair enough. Yeah. That phaser's going to merge with Badgie and come back and get everybody. Oh, man. And then it will be 900 years in the future with Michael Burnham. Michael Burnham one-on-one with Vija slash Badgie. That phaser plus Vija and Badgie and then Peanut Hamper all merged together. Oh, Peanut Hamper. 900 years in the future. That would be evil. Peanut Hamper separates into like 30 pieces and then comes back together. Now, Peanut Hamper is made out of programmable matter. It's just a bunch of microbeads. Do you say beads or bees? Microbeads. <laughs> Either one. Whichever one you prefer. <laughs> Whichever one I'm going to get first. <laughs> when Holloway, you know, tells uh, Janeway thanks for giving her her memories back. I do enjoy the thanks for the memories line. I thought that she should have sung it like the song. <laughs> they get on very well for the same person. Do you remember if Wishes Were Horses when there was like yeah. an extra, extra Jadzia Dax for Julian? Julian loved that Dax. Yeah, I feel like Holloway is like the Julian Bashir version. Right, see, I, I thought it was just an earlier version of Janeway because it she presents both younger she does yeah i assume it's like this is janeway at a particular point in time everything after that is admiral janeway this is janeway before voyager if you'll notice because she has the bun again i didn't notice the hair yeah she lost the (laughs) bun right after caretaker why would they make a hologram before voyager like voyager's the career isn't it nothing really happened before then she was a science officer for tom paris's dad but i don't think she had her own command before voyager well I but don't she know. had voyager before caretaker wasn't Vo- the caretaker mission the first mission of it of voyager i don't think so i feel like she had had that ship for a while and had like a whole crew and half the crew died i thought they were just establishing like because two meeting each other Tuvok had been serving with her. I have to watch Caretaker again. Just see some banjo being played. I, you gotta love the banjo. Everybody comes yeah. for the banjos and stays for the Kess. <laughs> and leaves for the Neelix. Definitely that. <laughs> so they jump out into space. They're they're both pulling uh, equal Michael Burnham moves. Yes. And as they're in their Michael Burnham pose. Uh, reaching towards each other, the tractor beam gets turned on. Murph is... I didn't realize Murph was going to be this stretchy. True. And I, I was really surprised at how good the tractor beam animated. Like, it 
like it looked like the tractor beam. Like I yeah. knew what was happening. That was the tractor beam. Yeah, it's very clear. But yeah, Murph stretched heaps and then st- stretched more. What is the limit of Murph stretching? Like, can he do like the one molecule thick sort of stretch? Well, apparently not. I guess he he had he snapped back a little bit. There's only so far you can go. Yeah. It's interesting that this actual moment happened this week as well, because this reminded me heaps of the Enterprise tight walk, where Trip Tucker walks across um, two ships that going at warp five. It's it's almost the same. It is very similar. Yeah, yeah, they do have to join to get. Do they merge? I guess they would have had to merge their warp fields. Huh? Interesting. Oh, there was precedent. Yeah. Huh. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, because I thought it, I thought that was kind of wackadoodle, but yeah, that's a there is there's a precedent. Is wackadoodle a game or is that? <laughs> oh, I I think I just made it up. <laughs> just, just describe this the Star Trek Star Indecisis is what that is. <laughs> when you fire a phaser, is it that you hold if you hold the button down too long that it then spreads backward across your own hand? Like what exactly? Oh. Exactly what effect causes causes that? Causes the phaser? In my head, canon, it's a backfire. Like you shooting into a mirror and it reflecting and it coming back at you. So that just happened by chance or by angle? Like you know when you got a red light pointer and you you shine it in a mirror. That's the way I kind of look at a phaser. Oh, it probably. Oh, got it. So it probably bounced yeah. off the stainless steel of her spacesuit and came right back. <laughs> That's right. The aluminium. That's what my head cannon explanation I, is, I think it's the, my headcanon now too it's definitely my yeah. headcanon that the phaser beam just bounced off the aluminium spacesuit 100% and if we're if we're wrong we can just write that down to sheer hubris it, it is sheer hubris sheer hubris yeah after they come back in the ship Dallas back there with Murph and they are alone and I'm wondering like doesn't anybody care <laughs> like what isn't he dangling out of the back of the ship and no everybody's in another room like I guess let him go handle that <laughs> nobody's like like you would have thought that people would stay there just to like they could have like added a little bit more length you know they could have grabbed onto something and then Murph could have grabbed onto them kind of thing I think we've got precedent in Star Trek I don't mean to come back to other franchises so much but just thinking like if Archer did something and Mayweather rescued him but was exhausted by it everyone would still be going to Archer and seeing if he's okay and ignoring Mayweather in the meantime you, you look after the hero character, the incidental character, or the one that's not lead can look after themselves. So we, we're worried about Dell. We're, we're happy that he's back, but Murph can just look after himself because he doesn't do too much. <laughs> I re- so this was this was last episode. Murph was like stuck in someone's arms and like trying to push out, like get off of me. And then like moments yeah. later, is back on the same person. Or was that as this episode? I may be getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> I have that effect on people. Pog is the first one to see that Dal is back. Specifically that it's Dal Dal, not Admir Dal. They picked that up pretty quickly, but it's been successful. Murph has climbed into Dal's arms, actually. And I think that's pretty much their teller because I don't think that's an Admiral Janeway move. She she carried Dal's body with like a little bit more poise and grace than Dal does. Right. And I don't think carrying Murph around would be part of that whole aura that she's creating. Not as tender or familiar maybe might be yeah. a better word yeah. yeah yeah that and i think probably murph would murph can probably detect easily when it's not dal and when it is dal hmm. so we drop out of warp in the middle of federate well, apparently what's in the middle of federation space i think that was the description and there's about hmm. 30 ships on screen 
So it's a blockade, right? It's an armada, at the very least. My issue with this is the ship is blocked only to one side. Yeah. So it can't go forward where at the moment. Yeah. But there are a lot of other directions that, that you could try to escape to. It could go up, it could go down, left, right, under, over, you know. Yeah, this is the issue that I have with Q's wall at the beginning of Encounter at Farpoint. Right, that it's just in front. Yeah, because <laughs> we definitely could have gone up and over that, I think. Although there's a lot of ships in one spot, there are a lot of options that are still available to them. What? Name some. <laughs> um, retreat. Go okay. left, go right, go up, go down, go through. They're, they're all stopped, you know? Like Only one we... option out of six. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they've blocked one option, which yeah. is going forward. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then and then they have the protostar drive. Well, that's I guess it's offline. But really, like, if you just go to warp, right? Like, and yeah. you can go between the ships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if they didn't go out of warp, wouldn't it wouldn't have mattered? <laughs> this is this is one hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. They they definitely beat the lower decks record of ships on the screen. I don't know if they beat the Deep Space Nine record of ships on the screen though. I did wonder if you caught all the names of the ships that are here or if I you tried um, to. spotted any. Yeah. I saw the classes. There's like an Akira and a Sovereign and a Defiant. There's also one that I don't really know. Right. I was thinking that it was Cheyenne, but that's not it because it's a that's a quad nacelle. Or I was thinking maybe it was Challenger and I learned that that's not it. I don't know what class of ship that is. I didn't study it to the same extent. I just was like, oh, there's a lot of ships. Yeah. But yeah, with, with that as i said they're all in one spot and that's obviously quite menacing to have your ship against a lot of ships in one spot but yeah sure. they're, they're, they're they're not out of options yeah there's there's not a whole bunch of uh of uh what are those yang Ze class ships you know the ones that Riker shows up with like a whole blockade of just just the same class of ship the copy and paste yeah the copy <laughs> and paste ship the starship copy and paste yeah. <laughs> well, we have copied Janeway from Dal and then pasted her in the brig. And not for actions that this Janeway has done. So it's it's clear that this crew doesn't know that Janeway's been returned. Yeah, this is going to be a problem, but at least she will be able to explain what's going I mean, hopefully she'll have a chance to explain what's going on because all she has to do is tell them about the Diviner. Yeah, I guess it depends who she talks to first. Yes. Yeah, and what they allow to get out. Probably don't want to talk to Tysus because he's got Asensia's ear, or Asensia's got his ear. It'd probably have to be the Diviner, but as the Diviner did point out in this episode, they're one for one now, they're even. Oh, I guess, yeah. So that could be it. The Diviner could talk to Janeway and, yeah. and help her out in order to help Gwen, and there's his, there's his redemption arc. He stopped the whole thing. Yeah, because he could come down, talk to Janeway and say something like, and refer to their previous conversation where the Diviner freed her and she'd be like, what do you mean? I can't remember that at all. This is true. I thought he was kind of onto it already anyway when his Janeway left and said yeah. something like, yeah, I would do anything for Gwyn too. He'd be like, how do you, how do you know her? You know, he's just one one person in the whole cosmos rather yeah. than someone that you'd know. It did seem like he was suspicious about something about that moment. Yeah. Well, it's an odd comment to make about someone you've never met. I think he's aware that she's seen the, the want ad. They discussed the wanted ad. But saying that I would do anything for someone, when when I say words oh, like this, that, it's yeah. usually about someone that I've got a, a deep relationship with rather than just someone that I've heard of or, <laughs> yeah, or know of in passing. Yeah, this is very true. And, yeah. and especially with the expression of familiarity, sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed this episode. I thought there were a lot of interesting story points, and I thought there was a lot of building towards something. Uh, I am I'm s- still stuck on finding out what's the secret of this ship because I feel like there's a secret of the ship itself. I <laughs> hope I'm there pre- is, for your sake. I, I really do. <laughs> um, I'm going to rate this episode a 9.9 because I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I, I like I like the, the mind swap episodes, and I feel mm. like this... I, I'm a little torn on do I like this one better or do I like Spock and Muck better? Excellent. Yeah, and that's that's a terrific episode. For me, this is in the top two episodes so far of Prodigy. It's either this one or the one where Dow was trying to find out more about leadership and got and had Odo and Spock and Uhura mm, and, yeah. um, on board and, th- and that was so much fun and I wasn't ready for how emotional I was going to get to hear Spock's voice even with words I've heard him say before yeah. it was just fantastic and terrific and um, yeah that I, I wasn't prepared for that this episode I had a slight tease Kate Mulgrew had, had tweeted something like the day that it was dropping saying this, oh, this is my favourite I can't wait for you guys uh, to watch it and I was like oh boy uh, like like my excitement level ramped up for that and the fun of seeing Dell pretend to be Janeway while still being himself and saying words that were more his, you know, teamwork mm-hmm. makes the dream work and the yeah. stuff and it was yeah. just and, and, and even the physical mannerisms, him falling off the captain's chair, him stretching to 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 um to pretend that he wasn't celebrating. You know, it was just all very funny and fun. Like Spock them up. Yeah, it's a very yeah. good point. Um, it's a very long way of me saying I'd give it a nine point eight. Nine point eight, it is. Lock yeah. it in. Yeah. I, I also, I very much enjoyed seeing both hearing Brett Gray do his version of Janeway, and also seeing Kate Mulgrew doing her version of uh, Dal. And the way they animated them was opposite of each other. I kind of wondered previously why Janeway was quite so stiff, and I chalked it up to, well, she's older and more refined, etc. <laughs> but it kind of makes this episode stand out for that reason also. You paid off a bit, didn't it? It yeah. did. It did, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, fantastic episode, and well done to everyone involved. And they all listen to this podcast, so it's yeah, they're going to they give do. each other high fives. And really, the right, right they should. Out. They should give yeah. each other high tens. But oh no! If they do that, there'll be so much body swapping going on. Oh, no, don't give each other hot No touching. Yeah. No thumbs up. Yes, way to go, <laughs> bub. <laughs> and um, and what was the name of the writers at the start? They were Bensons. The Bensons. These were the Bensons. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Bensons. Way to go. We do love it as always. And and Song Shen, you know, responsible for the direction. Yeah. Excellent job and great decisions made throughout this episode. Yeah the next episode of Star Trek Prodigy is called Supernova Part 1. I believe that's also the name of the new Star Trek Prodigy uh, video game. Right. Yeah, so I'm very intrigued to find out how those two interact with each other. Yeah, um, has that game been released yet? It is, it's out, yep. So there's potentially spoilers out there for the people that are playing that game. Yeah, I was curious about that as well. Yeah. you get to like a certain point in the game and they're like don't tell anybody this part <laughs> well this bit unlocks late December early January oh that would be interesting too make sure that there's enough game to play before you get to the secret part I mean it's not like back in the day when 
the disc had to was finite either they can release new content anytime with an update yes they can they sure can yeah yeah mm. they can definitely add stuff to it whenever they need to that's super interesting yeah i'm excited i hope i get to play that game and yeah. i hope i get to see these next two episodes knock on wood is it doubt you're gonna see them i don't know i don't know <laughs> supernova is what we've been waiting for for what these past two years this is what this has all been building to yeah and i'm curious as whether this will lay some groundwork for the season two that's been announced also right so that's been greenlit has it it has because I've, I've had concerns that this story is leading up to a climax that could actually resolve everything and have no need for a season two but a season two could possibly be that everyone's at the academy or i don't know maybe something goes wrong and they run away and get have to get chased again i don't know i feel like maybe season two could have more focus on chakotay and the whole time travel mystery i feel like we might resolve everything and make everybody safe but not really unravel the whole thing right so we might not answer every mystery and have yeah. to still go out and get chakotay which could be done with janeway and crew couldn't it right and like now we have a team to fix the problem and now like we can really be mentored by someone other than a jailbroken hologram yeah excellent i'm up for that well this has been fun i thank you for uh coming and joining the show this week i hope earl enjoys it yeah yeah and hello to earl i, I hope i have done okay and haven't derailed things too much by bringing up voyager enterprise and next gen whenever i could <laughs> i think that's kind of what we do here yeah excellent so i don't want to i don't want to try to deliver earl's closing line i uh i hope that everyone has a wonderful week well and given when this is getting uploaded i, I hope everyone has a, a a nice and safe christmas as well merry christmas everyone. support the continued making of this show through patreon.com let's talk about treks is a production of anodyne relay supported by the star trek fan community of listeners like you we review the copyrighted works of paramount cbs's star trek team of whom no copyright infringement is intended you can reach us via email at email at let's talk about treks.com you can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312 our producer is david moody and our writers jack and earl are on twitter as at treks talkers and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now we record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.